0: Hey, Ukraine Media family. Before we jump into my conversation with Kenneth Kegley, I want to make a quick announcement. Our most used After Effects script called SmartRect has been updated with new and powerful features that will absolutely speed up your workflow in After Effects I mean, this script is a time saver. You got to have it. SmartRect 2.0 will be available this Monday, January 14th at ukremedia.com slash smartrect. Again, it is ukremedia.com slash smartrect, spelled S-M-A-R-T-R-E-K-T. And now, here's my conversation with Kenneth Cakley. Enjoy. What's up, UkraMedia family? Vladimir Proknevsky here, and welcome to episode number 55 off the Eucharmedia podcast, where we serve a family with weekly interviews from highly creative people. And today's guest is Kenneth Kegley. He is a director and creative director based in Los Angeles, California. Kenneth, welcome to the show, and share something interesting about yourself that most people don't know.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me, Vladimir. I'm very honored. So, um, something interesting about myself I grew up in different places. Right now, I reside in Los, Los Angeles, but um, and I was born here in California in the San Fernando Valley. But then, when I was in middle school, I moved to Taiwan for five years. Oh wow! A lot of people knew that culture shock, and yeah, and it was um, it was really like night and day difference for me as a child. <laughs> and I feel like it definitely expanded my horizons. And then after Taiwan, I moved to Fresno, California, which is in the Central Valley. And then I moved to San Francisco and now finally back to Los Angeles. So full circle.
0: My goodness, man. So what was it like living abroad?
1: It, you know, it was really interesting. And I feel like at that time, like I was such an MTV child, like watching MTV and The Simpsons. And <laughs> I didn't have access to that when I went to Taiwan. So my sister was still in the States. And so she would record episodes of The Simpsons and stuff like that on VHS and send it to me. So there was a lot of pop culture, I guess, that I missed when I was in Taiwan. But I was also exposed to new food, new customs, and just so many things that now I really appreciate in my life.
0: Interesting. Now, why were you you living there? Were you like a student abroad or something like that?
1: Oh, I think uh, my mom was just relocating for her job, so we went to Taiwan and then um, there was an American school that I went there. So I wasn't going to a Taiwanese school. It was like a it's called um, Taiwan American School. And so it's kind of based off of American school system, but it is a private school and I, a lot of the students there, their parents are expatriates. So we were kind of in the same situation where there was a lot of Americans, that were there for the first time. And so I felt like a lot of us were kind of sharing that same experience together.
0: Did you learn the language?
1: I did. And um, I would say that I'm not fluent in Mandarin, but I can kind of have conversational Chinese. And I also can't read or write though. And that's something I tried to do. I had (laughs) tutors and it just never stuck. It's really a difficult language to learn from when you start with English first.
0: Interesting. Now, how did Mm -hmm. that help you in your creative journey? Just knowing another language and like you earlier said, just living in another country. Did it help you in projects? Just, I guess, in a way, kind of having a broader understanding of another culture?
1: I think so. I think having, being bilingual, it has definitely helped me and I feel like made me understand how to learn other languages when I was in school. Like I tried learning French and even though that's a completely different language, I think there's a same learning curve when you try to learn a different language and learning about how language works in different ways. But then I feel like it's also made me very open to learning about different cultures and things. So that's always good.
0: You know, but it's interesting because I come from a, a total, another country from Kiev, Ukraine, uh, and uh, I, I was 12 years old when I moved to the United States. And I can relate to you when you say you missed out on the culture, on the pop culture, because, man, every time I watch Jeopardy or you know, some kind of show where people talk about, hey, have you seen this movie growing up? I'm like, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Always, like, when people start talking about things they've experienced growing up, that's when I'm like, I don't know what you guys are talking about.
1: <laughs> I know, so. I know. And, 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 and it's, sometimes you miss out on things. Like, there were certain movies that were playing in America that never made it to Taiwan because they didn't think that the market would understand. Like, Ace Ventura, for instance, and there were certain movies that i missed out on that i felt like were pivotal movies in american culture that i kind of had to catch up when i got back to the states so there's a <laughs> no, lot of catching up to do a lot of shows to watch
0: <laughs> not so true but i do think this it's so important to experience other cultures and get a broader perspective i lived i grew up in a small town in tennessee and mm-hmm. i remember meeting people that never been outside of past their town i mean the like in their twenties and they've mm-hmm. never been to another city big enough city, you know? And so, but I think there's a lot of uh, power and just to being exposed to different things. And I like, I think Casey Neistat, the, the YouTuber said it best. He said, he wants to spoil his kids with different experiences. And I think that's so important because uh, when you are exposed to all these different experiences you're exposed to different ideas and I think it will enhance your creativity. Anyway, I would love to know how did you how did you get into all the video stuff like where what did this passion start for for you?
1: Well, I guess that leads me to how I got started in this in the first place. So when I was living in Fresno um, in my when I was about you know 15 or 16, I think, we were going to like these punk rock concerts and that was kind of a big thing in my youth was there was all these like shows and people like with local bands and some of my friends started getting into promoting these shows and putting these things together and so I was like you know I have Photoshop. maybe I can make some of these flyers for the shows and Now, typical punk rock flyers are done very DIY. It's done with like a photocopy machine or it's done with, you know, scraps of paper cut up and collaged. And, you know, I was trying to just help my friends out and say, okay, well, next Tuesday at 8 p.m. there's going to be this band and that band and the cover charge is eight dollars. And so one flyer led to another and. I was starting to work I noticed that I was starting to get more into it, flyer by flyer. and uh, we started putting on bigger shows and we got bigger promoters. and so I started designing the posters for these. And then after a while, I was like, you know, I'm really getting into this. Maybe I can make a living out of this. i I wasn't sure really much about graphic design at the time, but my buddy and I were talking about going to art school and it, it all really started with graphic design. and so, there wasn't a lot of programs in Fresno. So we were looking at, you know, other places in California, like the Academy of Art in San Francisco, and then of course, Art Center in Pasadena. And I ended up going to the Academy of Art in San Francisco for about a year and a half to build a portfolio. And at the time, I was an advertising major. And so I was studying concepts and, you know, campaigns and all these things. And then when I got into Art Center, I I switched majors from advertising to graphic design in the first term. And the reason I did that was because I was thinking back to the days when I was making flyers. And I guess I really wanted to be more of an image maker. But I also wanted to inject concept with the images. So kind of a hybrid advertising graphics discipline. And then Halfway through my education, I took this one class that really, I guess, changed my world. And the class was called The Language of the Moving Image. And the class was split up into two portions. One was an academic, and one was a studio. And the studio portion, you know, you learn how to edit and put together short films and how to do match cuts and stuff like that. So you're learning the trade and you're learning the technical skills. But it was really the academic portion. So what we did was we had a teacher curate all these films from like 1960s till now, before then, like even the first films, the black and white silent films. And he put together like five minutes of all these different types of genres from you know German expressionism to French new wave, to postmodernism, all these different genres of film. And I remember sitting there in the theater and just being blown away by what I was seeing on screen. I was so inspired. Like, and I had never really seen films like that before. I hadn't seen artful films or films done with graphic design like Jean-Luc Godard using typography. And I was like, wait a minute, like, I, I didn't know that you could like people could do <laughs> I wasn't aware <laughs> of it. And so I went on like this crazy movie watching binge for the next three years and like every night I was watching like five to seven movies wow Um, (laughs) yeah it was was doing homework for school (laughs) and I was introduced to this whole new world and so when I had graduated from art center I I wanted to combine graphic design and live action basically and that kind of took me to my first job out of school which was prologue films and um and yeah, that's kind of how it all started. It started from punk rock flyers and then this one class. And now I'm still kind of combining those two mediums, graphic design and and filmmaking.
0: What was your, uh, you know, you said you started your first job. How was that like transitioning to working at your first job? Was it easy? Were you nervous? Were you scared? Was it a smooth transition?
1: It was a smooth transition. And I should say it was my first design job. Like I had, you know, other small jobs when I was a teenager, but This was the job I was really seeking to get. And I knew coming out of school, that's where I wanted to work. And I think I sent an email to the owner and he at the moment said, oh yeah, I got it, but didn't say anything much more. So I felt like I had to revamp my website or do something more. And then, so I did. So I spent two months revamping my website. So there was a little hiccup in the beginning, but then I sent my work over again and they're like, can you start today? And then, wow. and then I was, and then I was there for three years. So, wow. Um, and I have to say it was a really, really wonderful experience for me because I felt like it was a like graduate school. It was like, I, I, I was working with some of the top talents in our industry. It was a, a huge learning experience because every day after work, I felt like I was so behind and I, it really pushed me creatively, and mentally, and to really try to catch up to with, like, how great these people were. And, uh, you know, I'll never forget that. Do
0: you still have that feeling of of feeling like you're still behind? Or does that feeling ever go away?
1: I, I, I do feel that way. Yes, still. And what's funny is there was a question, which is, what is something you believe to be true that you don't anymore? And I think one of those things is that, I thought things would get easier, but (laughs) I feel like things do get easier because you get better at certain things. But then if you kind of have high expectations, then you're always setting that bar higher. And so you're always feeling behind. And I feel like in history and in art and, you know, in all types of forms of art making, there's amazing examples of people who've created amazing work that should always humble you and should make you want to be as good as those people. So to answer your question, it's like, yeah, I still feel like I'm not that I'm behind, but that, that there's still so much more that I have to learn and to grow from.
0: Yeah. I think it's healthy to have that kind of feeling. You know, it's healthy to have your finger on the pulse and to kind of check back. Like, Hey, am I, am I where I need to be? And I don't think you truly arrive. It's, it's a journey. You just, you just learn other stuff. You're like, ah, oh, there's, this to learn cool and then you kind of transition to that would you agree with that
1: i totally agree with that and and i and i'm trying to enjoy the journey too as i go and i i'm trying not to um like i think when i was starting out like there's so much pressure but i think you got to get used to it and you got to you know you still have to live your life and you have to maintain other things in your life so that it's not just work all the time
0: right (laughs) Yeah. Now, what is the best advice that you've ever received?
1: Okay. So the best advice I would say, and I love this thing, and I I still think about it all the time, was to keep your ego in your pocket. And I I really like that because um, it's not saying that you're completely eliminating your ego, but it's it's almost like it's there, but you, you have to know when to use it and when to not use it. And I think you know, we all run into encounters where we think back about something we did, and we think, "Oh, maybe I, you know, I, I could have been less confrontational, or I could have done this differently." But I think when you take it out, that should it should come out in your work. You should let the work speak for yourself, and I think that's that's true of many great artists. Like I, I think their work speaks volumes for them, and uh, like you almost you almost don't want to hear what some people have to say because I feel like they put so much effort into saying it into their work. So I feel like that quote has really resonated with me over time. And I think, um, I think also too, when, you know, when you're younger, you tend to have a bigger ego. And I think as you get older, you start to be more self-aware and you try to, you know, you try to cultivate yourself. And so I think, um, yeah, like I think diminishing the ego is, is a great thing for everyone. And it's also just good, it's, I think it's a good human quality to try to be humble. So,
0: No, and so true. I love how you said, let, let work speak for itself. It's kind of like, talk is cheap, you know, let's see what you can do. <laughs> you know, because right. some people some are great at uh, at speaking and they can get themselves on big stages, but then if you can't deliver, if then that's a problem. You know, it's interesting because <laughs> you're t- talking about ego and I remember I was at this wedding, this is just totally being sidetracked, you know, sidetracked from our conversation, but uh-huh. I was at this wedding. And there was this guy that I know, he was just married for like two, three months. I mean, just newlywed, this dude. And uh, at that point, I mean, I was still, I think I was married like four years. And this guy was just sitting there telling all the younger guys this marriage advice. And he's just, (laughs) I'm thinking like, dude, and I remember I was sitting next to an older guy and he, he was married for like, 15, 20, I don't forget how many years, but a lot of years. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, dude, I've been married for that long and I still don't have it figured out. Yeah. <laughs> and I just thought it was interesting. Here's a young guy who has this ego. He thinks that he's got it all figured out. He's been married for a couple of months. And here's an older guy who he's like, dude, totally. I thought I thought I knew her. <laughs> Every right. day I'm learning something new. So kind of, you know, okay. to show you, I guess, an example of what you were talking about. It's true. Totally. The older, the older right. you grow, the more the more humble you become, more forgiving you become. And uh, I want to transition to something dark, though. I want, I want, right. I want you to tell us a, a story of your worst moment in your creative journey. Man, I can't, can't wait to hear what it is.
1: All right. So, I mean, continuing on, it was, you know, so I was talking about my first job outside of school and, you know, I had been there for three years and, I, you know, like I thought I was doing good work and I got laid off. and. Mm it was completely unexpected like it was almost like um yeah it was it was kind of a shock when it happened but it was me and you know a few other people in the company and i felt like i at first i was so hurt by it because at that moment like i had given it my all and you know like i was really dedicated and sincere about the work i was doing sometimes the biggest failures like really kind of open your eyes to a lot of things so you know, as difficult as it was at the moment, I think it made me stronger, it gave me new perspective. And I don't think it left any scars, but it was more like a lesson as well. And yeah, I think, um, like, I was thinking about that question. And I was thinking, yeah, that's definitely one of the experiences I remember, if, if, if to get into detail for a moment, I remember the day I found out, and I just sat in my car, like in this like random parking lot. Like, cause I didn't know what to do. Like I was lost. It's like, everything had just changed in like over one email. And I remember my hands were shaking and I was also ashamed. Like I thought it was something I had done, you know, like my, my imagination was running wild. I was like, what did I do? What happened? But, you know, it all, I think worked out in the end. But I remember at that moment, it was, it was, it was soul crushing. (laughs)
0: so that was definitely yeah one
1: of the worst moments yeah
0: Uh, same thing happened to me i remember when i received my email that i was let go and the room starts spinning i had to sit down and just like thinking wow this is this sucks this hurts now now uh, are there any lessons what kind of lessons did you learn from this experience is there did you do anything different going on forward with with your career did you adjust anything to prevent this from happening again i guess
1: I think I just realized that it is, you know, it's just part of our business, you know, and the more I've been working in our industry that I've seen more and I've experienced more. And so that's kind of made me a little bit wiser and made me realize that, you know, it, I think at that time it was just I was hurt for the wrong reasons. And now that I have a bigger scope of things, I, I understand that it's just part of business. And I feel like it, it's totally not personal and to not take things so, so personally and emotionally. To sometimes it's just the way things work so sometimes I think it's easy for artists and you know to get emotional but sometimes we just have to be logical about it and I think balancing that is is kind of important too as well and I think over time like I, I try to make sure that both things are like living in harmony and I mean the emotion and the logic so that one doesn't override the other because I think it's important to kind of have both. And sometimes you do need to be a little bit more emotional and that's when some of the good work comes out.
0: So true. No. And I think, uh, for me it was because, you know, when you work somewhere for such a long time, you, you right. You attach your identity to that place. And when you, you know, there's this, you know, when you get fired or let go, it's like, you feel like there's this identity crisis that comes over you and you're, just start questioning yourself. It it was a dark moment for me. I I remember I went for like six months, just soul searching, Mm -hmm. trying to figure out what my next Mm -hmm. step should be. And, but let's transition to something, something positive. (laughs) Let's talk about your, your best moment in the creative journey.
1: Well, I, you know, it's good timing because right now there's a lot of exciting things that are happening. And I feel like so much has culminated to this point. And some of the best moments right now it's actually happening today and this last week and this last month because I've started a studio with my girlfriend Rachel Ma and we are taking on clients and starting to really get some projects going and we just finished one and we're actually going to post it next Monday and but before we've done that we've been posting like on Instagram like just little teasers here and there and it's it's for this brand mezcal el silencio which is a a brand out of santa monica that we've been working with and it i i really believe it's some of the best work i've done and the reason it's part of the best moment right now is because i'm seeing how people interact with it and i'm seeing people comment on instagram or save it or you know respond to the work and that's something i've been wanting to see for a long time and it's so exciting and like you said um earlier like this year is the first year I put work on Behance and people have been so generous with comments and it's been really kind of amazing because like it boosted my confidence a lot to, to have people support what you're doing and even, you know, you reaching out to me, like it makes you feel like, hey, maybe I'm doing something right and maybe I should keep going and because I think, you know, we all have self-doubt right. but I think having people... Support you and leave comments it's it it really does kind of get you going and keeping me moving forward and and now, like so much of what I do is based upon you know how people react with this, so I think hearing back from the community about some things you know we've worked on has been really rewarding, and to me, that is something that i'm really it, it, it I'm so appreciative of it, and it almost seems like it makes it feel like well. That's the fruits of our labor. And, and it's not that, you know, the fruits of your labor is vacation or downtime. Of course, that's great too. But to see that your work has an impact or that it made people feel something or have an emotional connection to it or or anything, it, it, it can even be a negative response. And I still welcome that because it's better than not having any response. If no All one's right. looking at it or responding to it, that then you haven't really... I I guess, achieved what you set out to do, I think.
0: No, so true. And I'm looking at your behance right now. You have like well over 82,000 project views and like almost 8,000 appreciations. You've been featured in so many different categories. You know, I talked to a lot of creatives and some people are scared to put their stuff up. Maybe, I don't know, in fear of criticism or not, but do you think that helped your career kind of sharing what you're working on?
1: I think so and I encourage people to put their work on behance. I, I, I'm not sure why it took me so long. I think I always had an account but for some reason I just hadn't been posting projects. I was just doing it on my personal site but I encourage it because I think it gives your work exposure like I think I'm getting more exposure here than I am from like my personal site and from Vimeo. so yeah, it, get it out there and you know like but one other thing that's good about putting your work on behance is every time you present your work, it gives you an opportunity to present it differently. And there is so many brilliant case studies on Behance that are very inspirational to me and the way people lay out their work. And and also a lot of our peers are on Behance. So I think it's it's kind of become my new Pinterest in a way where <laughs> I just feel like there's so many great projects out there that you can appreciate. But I do think, yeah, I've gotten lots of messages about you know doing work. So I definitely have gotten some new job offers through just having Behance. Yeah, people messaging me there or they'll email me and say, hey, I saw your work on Behance. You know, like there's this one project you did kind of similar to what we're doing. And uh, so, oh yeah, it's been nothing but helpful. And I feel like, yeah, just more good things are happening because I think it's important to get your work on all these different types of platforms, not just your personal site. There's so much there to comb through. So yeah, it's been great.
0: No, and that's how I found you. That's what landed you on our nice. podcast, right? Through Behance, nice. I was just scrolling through, and I was just like, "Wow, this is this guy's talented." I gotta talk to this guy. <laughs> now speaking of talented people, and uh, do you do you follow any influencers on Behance or YouTube? Do you have any people that you look up to in the industry?
1: Oh yeah, there's so many. I feel like you know, there's so many studios and also individuals that even my former colleagues like there's. I feel like I'm surrounded by <laughs> so many talented people that I'm always following them, and not just on Behance, but also on Vimeo, and also what else? Um, there's like us, uh, working, not working, and Movie DM, and so I'm on all of those, and I'm following Christo and his future podcast. I used to work uh, with actually that I should say that was my first design internship was at Blind. Wow, that's um, pretty Working sweet. for Chris. Yeah, and Chris was a great mentor. Still is, and I'm I'm still watching those videos and learning from it. He's so uh, he's got so much knowledge about this industry and how it works. And for someone like me, who's right now just kind of starting up my own company, I'm running into like I'm literally watching his podcast as those things are happening. (laughs) It's kind of amazing. So like, (laughs) it's influencing what I'm doing, and it's very. I know it's it's kind of crazy like this and it's like happening simultaneously so it would be funny and I was thinking about reaching out to him and letting him know like wow like a lot of what you're talking about is something I'm experiencing right now so so yeah that's been very helpful looking at his podcast and then there's stuff on Spotify as well but I try and I try to keep um, a variety of resources you know not just motion graphics and design but You know, I also like listening to Jonathan Van Ness and other people um, and different podcasts on Spotify, which is about like, there's one, I forget the name of it. And if I remember, I'll let you know, but it was um, about the history of inventors. And so there's people like Thomas Edison, but not just inventors. There's also like biographies of people like Frida Kahlo and Albert Einstein. But what's interesting about this podcast is the information they provide is different than what you can find on Wikipedia and other sources. It's more like stuff you don't know about these people that it's I find very interesting. And that's been something I've been listening to a lot lately as well.
0: Man, that's pretty cool. You know, you were talking about Chris and that's pretty sweet that you worked at or were, were uh, interning, right, at, uh, at Blind. That's pretty cool, because I, uh-huh. had, I had Chris Doe on the show, and something he shared with me after the interview, which was kind of cool, he said, Vlad, like, next time when you prepare for podcasts, just... Prepare for podcasts and then take all your questions and throw them all away. I'm like, what? Mm. This is like, yeah, just Mm. don't even, don't even ask those questions. Just throw them all away and just let the conversation happen. And I thought, I was like, well, only Chris Doe can do something, (laughs) something this crazy. (laughs) But I, I, I kind of in a way do that. I prepare for the podcast and I, I try not to stay within the structure of things but that's some Mm. crazy advice that I'm going to try one these days but I'm not that brave yet. Now
1: do you have a morning routine
0: do you follow any kind of morning routines or anything like that?
1: Let's see I feel like I mean this is a pretty basic reply but coffee is so important and um, I've been like my area has all these new boutique coffee stores so I feel like I'm very privileged to (laughs) access these really good coffees and that is like it's kind of like you can't start without that first cup of coffee. And, and actually today I haven't started with that yet. So maybe I'm a little bit off, but <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely I start with that. I sometimes exercise in the mornings cause that's my favorite time to do it. And then, yeah, I think, um, having just a little bit, something to eat and it's very, I, I don't do anything out of the ordinary. That's for sure. Like it's a very, but I think it's good to be systematic. I think it's good to, And lately I've been working from home a lot. So a lot this year, I think eight months out of the 12 months this year, I've been working from home and that requires a whole nother level of discipline. So I think like trying to be consistent about when you wake up, when you get the coffee. And I think because I'm working from home, going out to get a coffee helps because I have a little bit of human interaction. Otherwise I would be (laughs) by myself all day long lately we have actually some people working in our studio so it's been nice but like for the rest of the year it's been kind of like getting close to cabin fever uh every so often because so true. yeah you're, you're like if it wasn't for coffee or like little breaks in the day i i really wouldn't see anybody so <laughs>
0: <laughs> no I, um, I work from home that's as well. New
1: uh-huh uh-huh
0: no i can relate and to that. How do you it's, deal with it it's it's, yeah. it's just lonely but see i have two kids and a wife so it, it helps uh-huh. but still like you know you you gotta get out of the house and i try to go for a run just to kind of because it's uh you have to make make it an effort to, to do those kinds of things because if you don't add it on the calendar it's just not going to happen just try to get out and like see people <laughs> that's i know it sounds Absolutely. bizarre but for people that work from home it's you can go weeks and, and not see somebody. oh yes
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it kind of, it's good because it not only is seeing people good, but like getting into the rhythm of like having lunch at the same time and knowing that people outside are, you know, their lives are more accustomed to the regular hours of the day. And I think that helps keep you in check as well.
0: Um, you know, it's interesting. I was, <laughs> I was driving to the store. It was like around five o'clock. I completely forgot that there's traffic, you know, rush hour traffic because like I've been working from home for like <laughs> nine months and I'm driving to the yeah. store. My wife asked me to get something for dinner. And so I'm just driving. I'm like, holy cow, there's people everywhere and there's traffic. And I'm like, this is stressful. Like, how do they deal with this stuff? Like, and I just remember yeah. thinking like, man, wow, it's been a long time because when I had a full-time job, it would take me just a couple of hours just to get out of the door, wake up and get ready. And there was a lot of waste, like even two hours after just coming home, oh, staying yeah. stuck in traffic. And I just remember thinking, man, I, my life is less stressful. Are you enjoying working from home?
1: That's so funny that you say that. I recently drove into traffic and I was like, oh yeah, there's traffic. Like it's been a while, <laughs> like since I was driving on the freeway and I'm like, and it's Los Angeles. So there's always Oh my gosh, traffic. yes. So, uh, like, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, I, I forgot about this and it's been a while. But I, um, I do enjoy working from home. I do also enjoy working at a studio with people. And so I've recently converted my home. This has literally happened this week where I've converted my our home into kind of a studio. And it, it works out because we live in a loft that's kind of like a work home living space. And We've just basically swapped the living room and the workroom. So now our workroom is bigger, and we set up a couple more workstations. and as we're speaking, I think some of our artists are going to be coming in. and so that's that's been really great to have some people here so that it's not just me, but yeah, I think it's a I think it's good to work from home every now and then because, yeah, you you really have to have your own discipline, and I think discipline is such an important thing to constantly be kind of evaluating yourself and like kind of making like trying to get you to be tighter at keeping a schedule or to try to try to treat it like a regular you know working space where you have you know hours from 10 to 7 or something like that right now we're not there yet. we're starting at like 12 <laughs> or 2 p.m and then working till like midnight oh, but uh, yeah it's but, but it's working out we, we, we definitely take breaks and you know we enjoy we enjoy the long coffee breaks and stuff like that and talking so
0: no I, I learned that you you gotta have structure it's one but you gotta set goals for daily goals weekly goals monthly mm-hmm. goals because like you know if you're just pursuing things it's, it's kind of like so my twin brother and i sergey used to work for fox sports he was an animator, a senior uh, motion graphics artist there and uh, we both walked away from our jobs doing this full time and it was awesome. Like we stepped out and we were kind of chased after everything. We started podcasts, tutorials, courses, products, all that stuff. But we didn't really have a goal. And so my, if I had to like summarize our year, like this is what it was like. It's kind of like spaghetti, you know, you throw it at the wall, see what sticks. But there was no like, yeah. like intentional goal. Like where are we going with this? Like what are we trying to accomplish? like trying to drive somewhere and taking every exit every opportunity that comes your way and and so you can get mm-hmm. distracted and discouraged without a goal if you don't have a purpose if you just kind of you know what's that quote if you aim at nothing you're going to hit it every time and that's what mm-hmm. I learned mm-hmm. that we, first thing first you got to sit down at the beginning of the week beginning of the day you know if, if you don't plan your day the, the day is just going to get carried away and then you're just going to be kind of uh, responding to everything and anything that comes your way right and that's what I learned for oh, me. For sure. If you if you come up with a plan, mm-hmm. put it on the calendar. If you don't put it on the calendar, it's never gonna happen. And uh, absolutely, that's my uh, number yeah. one mistake that we did with our, our companies that we didn't sit down at the beginning when we first quit and just like what why yeah. are we why did we quit to begin with? What are we doing? What's our goal? What's our plan? And then just start start mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what I learned. But I'm still learning.
1: And you know what? that I'm so glad you said that cuz as you're saying that I was like wow I should probably be thinking about this too. <laughs> like I should I should probably be implementing this too so that we don't we don't run into the same problem where we're just like spinning spinning wheels but right. not going anywhere. But luckily for us like I think the reason there's you know we're working together right now is because we do have a deadline for a project and so like that I guess is kind of our goal is to complete it. So sometimes though like I guess while we're working we'll kind of just start talking about you know, what it is we want to accomplish and like, what are our plans for next year? And I think even though it's not like we're putting pen on paper and writing down, like our goal is to do this, but I think we keep talking about it. And maybe you're right. Like maybe it's better to just actually like have a plan, stick to it versus just kind of, otherwise it's just a concept and it's just, it's just floating. Whereas it's not as concrete, but yeah, I think I, I think lately like we, we do have goals and I feel like but definitely like I think sometimes we have these longer term goals but maybe it's better to if we think about like a daily goal like I wish it would you accomplished today and that's something I'm trying to work on more it's like having like a two-month deadline down the road is great but like sometimes you're just like, okay, well, what are we going to do this week? And when, what are we going to do today? And we'll probably have that. I'll probably have that conversation in the next hour or so. so. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> over coffee. Right, right. And I'll
0: give you a, good, a great example. Like I used to, back in high school, I wanted to be a kicker or college early days. And I so I trained every day. I remember I trained like three hours every day. I would, I hmm. I had like, I loved going to the gym, even the days that I hated going to the gym because I just loved it because there was this greater purpose. And long story short, I didn't make it. I had an injury, this and that. And then now try to mm. work out without a goal, just, just go to work out. Like what's the point of working out? I'm, like, is it, is it working out just to burn the calories? Like that's a small goal. It's not going to motivate you to go to the gym. You got to create a goal that makes you so uncomfortable mm. that you just have to like, for mm. example, every day I get up and uh, I do 50 push ups, 50 squads and uh, like 120 sit-ups in the morning and i do the same thing in the afternoon. And I'm trying to wow. see, like, I'm trying to create this like chain reaction. Like, you know, if, so to motivate myself not to break it. And so it's been like almost three months or something like that. But anyway, so the point of it is if, if you're just aiming at nothing, if you're just doing things just because doctor says it's a good thing to do or, or somebody else says, mm. to do, it, it, at times when, when things get harder, it's just, it's not a big enough goal to to sustain you. And uh, that was my big lesson for the year again.
1: <laughs> I love what you said about like make having a goal that makes you uncomfortable. That is great. Like And I think it's, it's so easy to get comfortable. And I think that's just a human thing. So we have to like give ourselves almost like unattainable challenges or something that's maybe is uncomfortable or may at the time seem impossible, but that'll definitely push you (laughs) so much faster and stronger. And I'm inspired too. hearing that. It's like, Oh yeah, I, I should probably do the same. Yeah, you, and, you, and I, <laughs> you and
0: I both actually, after this, after this interview, I'm, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to, I'm going to start brainstorming for next year goals, dreams. Cause I'm telling you, it's, it's like the nature takes over and then you're just going to start reacting to every little problem, every little thing that comes your way. And it's all, you know, just because someone's busy doesn't mean they're getting anywhere. You know, I love right. this, this joke. People always say that, you know, how do you get raised in the corporate world? Just Pick up a phone, put it next to your, grab a bunch of papers and run around and look busy. And then people be like, wow, that's the busiest worker, the best worker we got. We got to give him a raise, <laughs> Which is, I mean, which is a clever idea, I guess. But just because you're busy doesn't mean that, that you're not, you know, everyone always, you, you talk to somebody's like, hey, you want to meet up? It's like, oh, I'm so busy. I'm so busy.
1: And like, uh-huh. everybody's
0: busy, but just because you're busy doesn't mean that you're intentional. It doesn't mean that you're getting somewhere. So
1: right. I remind them, myself, like, you have to have an output output like you have to put something out like otherwise you're busy but you have to have something to show for it whether it's your family or whether you know like you like people have to see a result and it's kind of like people say oh yeah i'm working out all the time but then you don't see really the results so it's like, mm. hey, are you
0: <laughs> that's true result, like, but yeah. you can
1: tell if, if you're working out people can tell they'll be like hey you look great you lost five pounds or you know you look or or you know like so, some other uh, part of your body is very muscular. So, um, (laughs) yeah, it should, it should reflect the work that you put in hopefully. Yeah, definitely. Um, Well,
0: I'm looking at the time and I don't want to hold you over too much there, but let's, uh, a couple more questions. What's coming up for you?
1: So again, um, current studio is our new venture. It's an experiment. It's something I'm really excited about because this is our opportunity. Me and a few friends, we've gotten together and some people I've worked with for a number of years, and there's been this talk in, about wanting to do meaningful work, work that resonates with us in addition to the commercial work that we do. And so we're trying to take on more projects that for us may be something that I guess is more deep or has some more artistic, personal attachments to it. And I, as much as I love doing commercial work, I think every now and then you, you got to try some personal projects. And, and that's something we're working on right now. And it's for this organization called Motion Poems. And a lot of our peers have done this. You take a poem that someone has written and make a, a, a motion graphic film cool. to accompany the poem. Wow. And so that's something we're working on right now. And it's going to be coming out in February. And I'm really excited about that. That's what we're working on, you know, basically through the end of the year and up until February. And so, and that is a, it's an ambitious piece. It's two and a half minutes and we just have a few artists working on it, but it's definitely a passion piece. And we're able, because there's no, it's not a commercial project. We're able to kind of spend a little bit more time on the design, get things to where we want them to be. And in addition to that, we're also working with a couple musicians here and there doing, you know, album covers and music videos for them. So, And, of course, we have more Mezcal work coming, which is something I'm really excited about showing. Like I said, we're going to show one of our projects that just wrapped next Monday. And, you know, we're, so basically a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff is coming out, and I'm, I'm very proud of it. And I'm very proud of the teams of people that, you know, worked on it. And I think all of us feel the same way. So, looking forward to that.
0: Now, where can people find all, all those videos when they come out?
1: Oh, so they'll be on our Vimeo. I'm going to put it on Behance and I'm going to put it on my website. So, I'm going to try to put it on LinkedIn, as many different platforms as I can think of. So, it should be easily accessible. And the most recent spot that's coming out next Monday is going to be called Black Magic. Ah,
0: nice. And definitely send it to me when, when it's done. I'd love to share it with our email. With our 100%. subscribers, yeah, definitely. We'll do. Awesome. We'll and, do. and I'll update we'll the show do. notes yeah. and all that stuff. I'll include all the links, all the necessary stuff. Now, last question. How can people get in touch with you?
1: Okay. So my website is kennethkegley.com. My email is mail at kennethkegley.com. And I'm also on Instagram. My name is Kenneth Kegley. No spaces, no dashes. And uh, I think that's probably the best way to access me.
0: All right. Well, listen, thank you so much, Kenneth, for sharing your journey with us,
1: man. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much, Father Mary. It's been an honor. Thank you. Hey, thank you for listening
0: to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please feel free to share it on social media. I'd also be very grateful if you could rate, review, and subscribe to our You Media podcast on iTunes. It will only take you a few minutes, but it will help a lot in ranking the show. And it will also help other creatives discover this podcast. So, huge thank you in advance. And if you have any comments or questions, feel free to email me at vladimir at and definitely check out our courses and products at ukremedia.com shop. As always, don't forget to join our online mentoring group on Facebook at ukremedia.com community. We have well over 2,500 people in this group. It is a great online resource for those of you trying to grow and it's absolutely free. Thank you so much for joining me on the journey of this podcast. I appreciate you, and I look forward to serving you in the next episode of The Eager Media Podcast. Bye-bye.